What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Surf and Sales podcast. I'm Scott Lease here with my friend and co-host Richard Harris. And today we're doing something a little bit different. We're taking the show in a different angle. We are talking to Jason Grant, who's a mindfulness teacher at Kaiser Permanente and has been an adversity coach, youth leadership coach. He's got a lot of cool things in his background. Uh, and we're going to talk a lot about mindfulness today and, and uh, you know, how that relates to peak performance. So welcome to the show, Jason. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate you for having me. Yeah, man, of course. It's, I'm, I'm always uh, glad to get you know, introduced to new people and referrals. And Henry Frazier is one of my best friends. And Richard and I have known him for a long time. And he was on the show a while back. And, and he introduced us to each other. And, and that's, uh, that's how you're here. So thank, thanks again for spending some time with us. So, so tell everybody you know, what you're all about. Like, tell us what the mindfulness teacher at Kaiser, what is that role? What does that mean? Give, give the audience, uh, you know, some backdrop to, to what Yeah, sure. So what do I do? What, what is the main reason why I do what I do? It's I teach mindfulness and mental skills. And I teach these skills so that people, particularly corporate teams and athletes, can be in the moment when they need to be. Usually when we're, things are going well, we don't really need to worry about it because things are going well but we do need to dig in and figure out what's happening when we're in moments of challenge and when we're in intensity. And I noticed that usually those moments are the mo moments that we want the most. It's kind of like a difficult conversation. You need a habit, but it's difficult. And that's why it is difficult because it's necessary. And same with being an athlete to meet peak performance. You have to meet intensity. You have to meet com competition. And if you don't, then you're overtaken by it. And so mindfulness is really all about how do you be in the present moment? How do you stand um, on your own two feet, regardless of the challenge or adversity that you're in? Yeah. And, and so what are, what are like a couple actionable tips that you might be able to give us, right? This is super relevant for people in, in sales, which is primarily our audience sales and sales leadership and marketing and so forth. Um, you know, very, very stressful role, high pressure all the time. What are a couple of actionable tips that you could give people to be more in the moment and be more present? Yeah, um, I would say one is just to stop, literally just to stop. Often when we're feeling like this, we're overwhelmed. And when we're overwhelmed, we want to check something off the list. We want to get it right. And so we just randomly, we'll just try and grab something and, and attack it without really stopping, strategizing, corralling our energy, and then navigating it to one of the things that we need to uh, complete. And once we stop, literally stopping our bodies, just take a breath, observe what's going on before you peacefully proceed. And that allows you the, just the, uh, even a second to see some choice that you have in order to direct the future opposed to feeling like all these things are falling on me. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know where to go. I love, I love that, that sort of stop or that pause. I'm, I'm thinking Richard of, you know, sometimes somebody will ask me a question or give me an objection and I kind of just take a breath and I'm, I'm just sitting with it and just thinking before I, before yeah. I, speak, before I reply, that's good feedback. Jason. Yeah. And I yeah. think, I think 
for knowing, you know, of, of between Scott and I, I have a harder time doing that. I think, I think I suffer with, you know, whether it's my imposter syndrome issues or just always this angst. Scott's, I know Scott feels it internally, but he's very calm externally and I'm, I'm a little bit less calm externally. I want to back up for a second though. How did you discover this was something you were passionate about? Were, were you the kid who just always sort of was the conscious kid and, and the good kid and the, you know, always making friends with everybody or, you know, how did you get here? That's a great question. And, you know, as, as you ask about me being a kid, um, I always played sports, played sports since kindergarten all the way up through college, played all types of sports from, you know, swimming in kindergarten at the Jewish community center to playing lacrosse a little bit in high school and Pop Warner football. Um, one thing that sticks out to me as you make that comment and question is, is tennis. I played tennis uh, for a few years in middle school, and that may have been the hardest sport that I played because it is so mental. You know, it's a very easy sport just to hit the ball over the net. But then it becomes very mental when, oh, I want to hit the ball down the line, or I want to hit the ball across the court. I want to do something special, quote unquote, more than just getting it over the net. And then that's where you get in your head. You start beating yourself up. I start hitting my racket on the, on the floor because I'm upset at myself for not doing it the easy way, which I know is just get it over the net. Let that other person mess up. And so just seeing that emotion regulation as i growing up in myself and not seeing that when I'm doing it in team sports, you know, team sports is like, oh, man, this person dropped the pass or they missed the layup. So it's not all on me. I made the good pass, right? You know. But when did you when did you realize that this was the part you needed to work on? Like, was there like this one math where like you should have beaten this person and didn't, or there was a several sets of circumstances, maybe some focus on life, where you're like, okay, there's a pattern here, right? I got I got to step back and adjust. Was was there a pivotal moment? Yeah, there was. I would say. <clears throat> You know, kind of to yourself, not really understanding or having the the full what is the word? Yeah, I guess just not even knowing about mindfulness is the thing. And so going through all these years of young adulthood into adulthood into coaching is what really got me into mindfulness and thinking, all right, this is a thing. I started coaching at junior college level in Oakland, California, at a school called Merritt College. And we ended up making the California State Final Four. And in that final game, and during the Final Four, the game was tied at halftime. With two minutes to go, we were down by one. And then we ended up losing by 11. And so with my personal history of playing sports, now coaching and coaching this team the whole year through the final four and seeing that critical two minutes, that critical two minutes really taught me that, all right, this is about mental toughness. These guys, they have all the, the physical abilities to play with anyone in the state. They just did it with this team. 
but in the most intense time of the game, when they needed to lean on each other the most, when trust needed to be there the most. How do you, how do you, how do you replicate or can you replicate that, that highest of intensity moments, right? If, 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 like, for example, with your, with your team, you know, do you do like a two-minute drill, right, to try to replicate the scenario? But even if yeah. you do that, the pressure is not quite the same, right? I, I think one of the things that, that people struggle with in sales, for example, is like you've got this big call. There's a bunch of people on the phone, right? And, and the pressure is there. You're, you're in the moment. You've got to deliver. You've got to ask the right questions. And we, we try to practice that and replicate that and rehearse it, but it's different. Is, is, is there a technique or, or something that you could teach us to try to, to try to replicate those highest of intensity moments so we do perform better because it's like, oh, we've been here before, right? Mm -hmm. Well, <clears throat> that's a great, I, lo I love that concept, the way you, you asked that. And really my answer is mindfulness and mindfulness is all about awareness. So if I, if I define mindfulness, I like to say that it is awareness of mind, body, and surroundings with an attitude of curiosity and kindness. So when I say the answer is mindfulness, it's all about bringing added awareness to your experience. Dude, that was the best definition I've heard of mindfulness. And I've listened to lots of people who are probably our combined age, you know, and, and I'm a little bit older than you, maybe a year or two. So um, that was really an epic, epic definition. I love that. Oh, thank you. So, oh. Yeah. So with that definition, even if you're not in the moment of intensity, even if you're not able to say, all right, we're, we need championship level energy right now in the middle of the season. What we can do is bring awareness and discipline to what we're doing. And as we add our awareness and discipline, then we're growing. And as we grow, we're able to hold more. And as we're holding more, then that's where we're able to hold that challenge. And through practicing, you know, doing two-minute drills or, you know, doing whatever the team is weaker in, that's how we build that capacity. And, if, and through the second part of mindfulness, this attitude of curiosity and kindness, regardless if someone messes up, we know, hey, we're curious about this situation. We're going to be kind to my teammate. And I am aware of my mind, body, and surroundings. So I, I'm aware my mind just went negative. But I'm going to be curious and kind right now. Something that is difficult to do on demand in the heat of the moment. But that's why we practice it and add this as – that's why I wanted to focus on this and add this to the coaching staff because this is something that I could – that could set myself apart from other coaches. But I also saw the actual need because intensity is where, where we're – that's really where the game is. Right? How, do, how does somebody break that pattern where, okay – Maybe I, I recognize I'm having negative thoughts right now, or I'm recognize, I recognize that I've got anxiety coming up about this performance or this appointment or something like that. Now what do I do? How do I move, how do I move through it? I, you know, does that make sense? Like, I've, I've seen it. I feel it. I recognize it. 
how do I not be crippled by it? How do I move forward? Yeah. Um, you know, a couple of things that come to mind first is just leaning, <clears throat> excuse me, leaning in on the breath. Often when we're overwhelmed, stressed out, we lose our breath. Our breath becomes faster or more, more constricted. And so just finding our breath, which then allows us to be in that present moment and to like have more awareness. If I'm stressed out, then I'm pretty laser focused on how do, how do I get out of this or trying to change my situation. And I think what's key in mindfulness is we're not trying to necessarily fix anything. In mindfulness, it's all about, in the way that I train it, it's all about changing your relationship to something. So regardless, you know, if there's a challenge, issue, overwhelm, if we can't get rid of that, if there's not a solution or you know, something that we can go to right away. Mindfulness is something that allows you to change your relationship to the issue so that you can get along with it. So if I stump my toe in the morning, I can either get really upset. I, I can either go really upset, I'm angry, or I can say, oh, that's information. That's data. My toe is feeling data, receiving data that it feels unpleasant versus I'm getting angry. And so it's first just taking that breath, but then that allows the awareness to come in. This is great. I love, so, you know, uh, you're, you're the perfect hybrid of Scott and I, right? If, if Scott and I could have children together, I think it'd be someone like you, um, in the sense that, you know, he's the hyper-competitive one of the two of us. I don't like to lose, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't hit me at the core like it does Scott. And I'm the one who's always meditating, telling Scott to meditate and start head spacing and all that stuff. So you, you really do find this nice little piece uh, right, in, right in between us, which is really a lot of fun. Um, what, I'm gonna ask this question for Scott, right? I don't know if he'd ask it. Scott is a coach of his kids who are 10 and 11 years old, right? Um, and they perform on a high level with baseball. They compete in state levels. They beat, you know, number three state champions and all this kind of stuff. How do you teach mindfulness to a kid versus the adult? Like you explaining this to us, it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, I get it. I get it. But kids are harder. And, and I'm also asking in the context of one, a little bit about sports for Scott, but a lot of us are parents and, you know, there's a lot of stress going on right now. Um, just with what's going on with COVID, social justice, um, school's about to start up and we don't even know what that's going to look like yet. Like, how do you help the kids be more mindful? Um, you know, there, there is a difference in teaching, but I, I think what I do is really lean in on the definition of mindfulness and that attitude of curiosity and kindness with kids. With kids, they don't have as much life experience to match or to connect the dots of things that have happened to them and then get into their brain and their mind and say, all right, that's why that happened. That's why that happened. So I'm going to go this way, which is what we like to do as adults because we have more agency and we have more power autonomy of ourselves to try to make the change. But with kids, they're so curious 
that it's uh, it it can be easier to work with them and teach them. The 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 challenge that most folks are thinking about is how do they take it serious? I think that's that's my main main question is how do kids take it serious or how do you get them to take it serious? And instead of mindfulness being a chore or, or something that they have to do, make it a game. And I think particularly that is why mindfulness has caught on in the U.S. of A. Because, because we've gamified it somehow, you think? No, certainly. Yeah. I mean, what, do you, what do you mean? What do you mean by make it a game for the kids, though? What does that mean? Speaking um, of kids, I'm going to step off for a second because my kids are going nuts. But answer, go ahead and answer. Yeah. Um, so making it a game. So I did a, I did a summer camp with Seeds of Awareness a few few years ago. Summers. It's an outdoor social emotional camp for kids here in the Bay Area, and. I love the idea of this because it was outdoor. I had just come from teaching mindfulness indoors in the school setting. So people can't yell in, indoors, people can't throw footballs indoors, things of that nature. So outdoors, anything goes. And so kids started picking up sticks and, and some boys and naturally started playing, you know, cops and robbers, now someone has picked up a gun and now they're shooting people and now it's like oh we're shooting people and and initially when i saw that my my reaction is like oh man like i don't we don't need you guys playing with guns and instead of saying hey stop no put down the sticks no guns here you know make it into a game and so how did i make it into a game well all right we know that guns hurt people. This camp is not about hurting people. It's about making friends. It's a social emotional camp for social skills. So what I said is, hey, let's make it a love potion gun. Instead of hurting people, you're shooting love to them. Next thing you know, boom, boom, boom. And then they're coming up trying to give each other hugs and just completely just being curious about the, what's going about my surroundings being kind to the kid opposed to putting him down allowed the camp to thrive. And now throughout the rest of the two week camp every day, we're playing love potion and, you know, kids are making friends and, you know, it, it completely shifted the camp just based on having a mindful approach of, you know, I'm not here to have the heavy hand and tell you you're right from wrong. All we're trying to do is find ways to instill skills that will help these students over the summer and make friends. And so that's like a small um, thing that you can do. And that's what I meant by making it a game is just digging into that curiosity. That's outstanding. I love that idea. So, uh, so Scott, from now on, remember when you tell them to pitch inside, Tell them it's just a love tap. <laughs> That's right. Give them a little love tap. <laughs> Give them a little love tap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also with, with kids, I've, I've learned that more than anything, and I also, I guess, for some background, um, I, was, I taught 
mindfulness in school settings for an organization called Mindful Life Project. And they are located in Richmond. And so I was in the Contra Costa area, county area, teaching within schools out there, low income um, neighborhoods. But what I noticed is that students enjoy finding their breath. They enjoy the quiet. They enjoy finding the stillness within themselves. Usually when we tell kids to be quiet and sit alone, it's because they're on timeout in trouble. So just automatically the headspace around that is, I don't want to do it. So there's pushback. What about, what about shifting back to, to adults and, and more <clears throat> business-minded kind of, kind of folks? Like, yeah. how do you get somebody like me who I intellectually understand and agree and get it. And I actually think I practice a lot of these mindfulness things, but I struggle massively to try to do what Richard is able to do, which is, you know, he'll sit and meditate, you know, once or twice a day for 10, 15, 20 minutes at a time. And he's got a great rhythm and cadence with all that. And I've tried a few times and I, I have failed consistently at it. And I know that if I could add that to my game, so to speak, it would be beneficial for me. I'd be calmer, I'd be healthier, I'd think more clearly, I might get more creative. Like I know intellectually all these things and I still fail at it. How do you get somebody who's a hard case, who's a stubborn son of a bitch like me or whatever, whatever it is, to like make the, cha the change necessary, right? And for what it's worth, I've tried to gamify it with Scott. I've tried to challenge him. <laughs> like, okay. hey, man, I'll do X number of this, or you do that. And, it, you know, I'm, I don't know what else to do. Didn't I, work. I've done all I can. Got it. Yeah, it hadn't worked yet. Got so. it. So what does failure look like? What is, why, why do you say failed? Because I, I have not been able to keep up with it and do it consistently. So in, in my mind, I'm, I'm looking at that as a failure. However, I also have recognized that the times that I was able to do it, I did reap, reap some, some benefit from it, right? So, but, I, but the way my brain is processing the failure is I'm, I've been unable to keep it up and, and continue doing it consistently i mean i think i think what you just said is pretty profound in itself you know you just said i haven't kept up with the practice but when i have um tried it i have felt some benefits so i guess the next question is were those benefits uh i mean well we're using the word benefit so i i i, I assume that those are good so it's then about how do you create the time to do those things? And that, yeah. that sounds like a scheduling thing more than a failure thing. So, okay. Okay. So, so, and I'm, I'm certainly not some sort of unique case here. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people who kind of struggle with the same thing. So this is a show where there's probably a lot of high performers listening. A lot of people who, you know, have their hands in lots of different cookie jars from different business entanglements that they're in and, and kids and everybody's at home and marriages and whatnot. So yeah, like people struggle maybe to find the time. 
what are some what are some easy ways to get people to make the time or to change their mindset from oh, I'm too busy right now to take five or ten minutes to meditate or chill or work on my breath because I got to go pay this bill or oh shit this literally happened this morning we forgot to register our middle schooler for for school this year by the way Richard in the in the mess of all this stuff so like that's a project that I got to do today right so like how do I how do high performers who are super busy make make the time and prioritize it? Scott, that that means we're moving to Barbados, like that article I said. Barbados is letting people move there for a year to work remotely. Yeah, so I'm like, Scott, that's right up our alley. <laughs> so that if that's not a big sign that we should do that, Scott, I don't know what else you need to get from God. Um yeah, I mean with so what I'm thinking with that is um, kind of twofold. One, scheduling, or you can do things first thing in the morning, or they don't have to be 5, 10, 15 minutes. They could be one, 30, one minute, 30 seconds. So they can be short. But then the, the second thing I'm thinking is, what you said is like folks are busy folks have things to do things are on their mind so how do you still carve out time to do this practice even though you're continually busy so i guess my response is to find a time that works best for you so i like to do it first in the morning do some dedicated practice and a dedicated practice to me is a as a meditation so I like to do like 20 minutes of meditation in the morning before I even get up and like brush my teeth and take my shower. Sometimes I'll even just stay in bed and do a, a body scan laying meditation. So I'm fully awake, but now I'm doing a meditation. Scott, I'll, this is one thing I've learned. Um, and, I, and I'm a headspace guy, Jason, so I don't know what I'd love for any things that you recommend. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things I've learned through Headspace is that there are times where, and you, I know we've all done this, is where we sit there and go, okay, what's going on? And we just take this really big, deep breath, and we literally let it out. And you can feel your body releasing all that tension. And so I've seen you do it, Scott. Like, you know, and I even think sometimes That's when... I'm saying. When like, I think, I think I do some of these things. I might just not be aware of it all the time. Yeah. No, I, I, I think you definitely probably are. I'll share a quick story. Um, so I did my business degree overseas. I did a global management, entrepreneurial management degree out of USF, and then also took me to Spain and to Taiwan. And I would join meditation and mindfulness groups, um, both in Spain and in Taiwan. And particularly when I was in Asia, I joined some meditation groups, mindfulness groups that I would go to weekly. And it was there that I distinctly learned the difference between mindfulness and meditation. And meditation is the 3,000 year old practice out of Asia, meditating like Buddhism, things of that nature the more holistic practices that we know of, that coming out of India, yoga, things like that. 
those practices, especially from that part of the world, the Eastern part of the world, is a lot different than what we know of as meditation. So before I left, meditation to me was sitting quietly, laying down, sitting, you know, doing um, that type of thing. Now, after having gone to Asia and spent time there, there are so many other integral practices that are going on as people are sitting there meditating. Things that they're thinking about in their mind, physical things that they're doing, like, you know, one thing that comes to mind right now is there was a, a meditation that we did around corralling energy in our bodies. And um, awareness of mind and body, we brought awareness to our mouths. And we did that by circulating the saliva in our mouth for minutes upon time. And I see you, you smile, and it's like, oh, that's kind of odd. What? That's a new one for me. I've never heard that one. Exactly. But it was for me as well. But what I'm sharing is that they are doing many integral things that are tapping into the body's intelligence to create energy and to create, yeah, to create energy. And when you notice this energy, just like you said, when you do mindfulness, you feel a benefit. And so as you think about the steps of integrating or energizing, even like the face, it's like, all right, let me energize my, my mouth. Let me get some saliva going. And those things aren't things that us as Americans will naturally do. So Scott, I wonder, and, and Grant Jason, I'd love this. Is this really what's happening when baseball players are, are doing, you know, the sunflower seeds? It could. Right? It, it, they're just sort of, it's giving them something to do while they're thinking to a certain extent, but habitual. also letting them not think too much yeah. or overthinking. Yeah. And, that, and, and you know, th those things are things that um, athletes use, but the common American may not do those things. And when they hear it, it'll be weird. I'm not doing that and I'll get turned off. So that is what mindfulness is. Mindfulness is stripping away meditation from all of its Eastern particulars that Westerners may not um, adopt. And so that's why mindfulness is known as something that is quick in the moment. You can do it anywhere, anytime. You are where your feet are. If your right foot is here and your left foot is now, then you're in the here and now, and you're in the present moment. So that's like a mindfulness skill, a little mindfulness trick. I am, I am where my feet are. I like that I'm going to use in golf. I like that. I am where my feet are, right? And then I can sort of let go of everything else. Yeah. And then like, and even to add what you just said, I am where my feet are, and then take a breath. <sighs> let it all go. Let it sink to the, the, the support beneath you, which is that ground. But that, what we just said right there, that is mindfulness. And that is what, the, that is what MBSR is, mindfulness-based stress reduction. That is what mindfulness is in America. So it really is meditation. It's meditation in short spurts. Just like if we go to a web page and it takes literally three seconds to load, we're like, wait, what's going on? It's taking too long. We're gone. And that's what meditation is. It's like, oh, this is too long. 
But give me mindfulness. It's short, in the moment, short practices where, hey, I'm, I hear, hear my feet. Take a breath. I think that's a good call out because I think a lot of people are thinking about mindfulness or meditation in significant chunks of time, right? Like the monk who goes into the cave for a month or the, somebody who spends an hour, you know, meditating 30 minutes at a time. But like you're saying, it could just be a couple moments, right? So it could be like a quick breath and a pause and a centering of myself before I make my next phone call. It certainly is, you know, we've all been on the end of this, like, you get one of those emails or messages that pisses you off and you're like immediately ready to type back and be a keyboard warrior and tell them to buzz off. It's like, okay, you pause for a second. Let me, let me take a breath. Let me, let me go walk around the block real quick. Let me sit on this a little bit, calm myself. Right. So I, I think that's, that's really good call out because if we, if we can, experience these moments of mindfulness and, and not think of it as a big chunk of time it becomes much easier in, in, in my mind at least and, I, and I, I wonder if others might might agree with me it takes the pressure off of having to do this big huge things like no you could just do a bunch of little moments today and that would still be beneficial yeah yeah and I'm um, bringing up John Cabot Zinn's definition of mindfulness and it is the awareness that arises from paying attention on purpose in the present moment non-judgmentally and it's really this moment to moment um, as you say experience so by focusing on the breath the idea is to cultivate attention on the body and mind as it is moment to moment and so to help with pain in both physical and emotional um, challenges. But it is really about this moment-to-moment -moment experience. And so um, to, your, to your point in that, that you've been sharing, I think I do some of these mindfulness things. I would say, yes, for a fact, you do. Things like even crossing the street. We don't just walk out into the street. We stop at the curb, look both ways, see that it's okay, and then we proceed. And that's basically like that stop exercise that I shared earlier. Stop. S, stop. T, take a breath. O, observe the situation that you're in. P, peacefully proceed. We do that every time we cross the street. But that's a mindfulness exercise because we know we don't want to jump in the street because it's dangerous. That is mindfulness. It's literally taking that second to care about yourself because these, your, it's your life. It's your, the decision that you make and the outcome of that is going to impact you. So if you don't take a second for it, if you say, oh, you know, I, I had too much to do. I, I, I didn't think about this, but this is my life and I have to make a decision on it. I'm, I'm overwhelmed now. Uh, just do this. That's often how we're going about life because it's a VUCA world we live in. It's a military term, B-U-C-A. Volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Military used that as a, to describe their work conditions, but that is something that we now 
experience every time we step out our front door. Yeah. Regardless if I do two minutes of mindfulness or an hour meditation, I'm going to now step out the door and meet someone that is on a different emotional scale than I am based on X, Y, and Z. And if we come into contact, either we're going to rise or we're going to fall or want, you know, but one of us has to say, all right, I'm going to take a moment here and not just be taken by this moment. Scott, I'm curious, how many moments of mindfulness do you think you've had in the 40 minutes we've been talking to Jason? Probably the half dozen or more, at least. That's good. Yeah. That's a lot. That's yeah. really cool. Um, so Jason, we've got to slowly wrap this up. I'm not rushing us, but I've, I've got yeah. to jump on a call in about 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. Is this something that you offer to everybody? You know, how can people connect with you, one? And if it's not something you offer other to everybody, are, where would you recommend people go if they want to learn more? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm, I do offer this to everyone. I do personal coaching, team coaching with athletic teams, but also corporate teams. I'm going to be rolling out um, in a program for intact teams along with a, a, a partner at Yole Trips. We're going to be rolling out a corporate program for intact teams, so teams that are still working together because, as we know, a lot of Americans are out of work right now. A lot of teams have been broken up. So, um, yes, through every work with athletes, corporations. Um, where, where can they get in touch with you? You can get in touch with me on LinkedIn. Okay. And then I'm also going to be having a website that I'm that's currently under construction. Website is um, going to be on my LinkedIn page. I'll update it once it's live. Also on Twitter at My Village Tribe, and that's spelled M-Y-B-I-L-L-A-G-E-T-R-I-B-E, Village, My Village Tribe. And cool. also again, also on LinkedIn for social media. That's awesome. Really, really appreciate it. You know, we always, we always flip this at the end, um, and I think it's our act of trying to be mindful uh, with our guests. Um, is there something else we can do to help you? Like it's obviously we want to promote you and, and you know, we'll have, you know, everybody please go connect with them on LinkedIn. Blown my mind for the last 40 minutes and I practice this stuff fairly regularly. Um, but how can we help you? No, I mean, just having me here was a great pleasure. Thank you so much. Providing the added layer of visibility for me and the work that I do. So, you know, thank you. And really, you know, mindfulness and mental skills and bringing this added layer of um, detail, I guess, or of awareness to our own lives is something that's new to us all. You know, another way of saying mindfulness is kind of the shift from autopilot to aware. And so many of us are just on autopilot because we know we have to do, we know our goals, but we forget that, hey, Amongst our goals, there's this VUCA world that complex and ambiguous things might pop up. And if they do, am I prepared and resourced enough to be able to handle that moment or that situation? This is the title of the episode, Richard, this VUCA, VUCA world, V-U-C-A, is that it? Yeah, yeah, V-U-C-A, VUCA. Oh, my goodness. The military well, that, that, term. That, that's going to that's gonna stick with me. 
Say it again. It's it's vulnerable. No. Uncertain. Go ahead. Uh, volatile. Volatile. Uncertain. Complex and ambiguous. Oh my gosh. I'm. I'm. J Jason's going to keep me in. This is going to keep me indoors for you know another another year. <laughs> This is the polite way of saying that you have some practices to step out the door. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I just thought they followed FUBAR, right? Like I thought it was all about FUBAR in the military, right? Uh, what was the A again? Volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Ambiguous. That's awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for, for coming up. By the way, oh, I had, I had, so I'm a headspace guy. I know Calm is out there. Are there other things that you recommend for people? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you for asking about the resources. So yeah, I also use Headspace. Um, I use Insight Timer. That's a free meditation app that has guided meditations from many teachers. Um, you know, teachers that you've heard of, but also teachers that may be in your community, in your local communities. So I definitely invite you to check out Insight Timer. Um, and then I'm here in the Bay Area went to Cal, UC Berkeley. There's the Greater Good Science Center. Um, they did some work with Facebook and that's why we have the emoticons on Facebook now. They also did the consulting work around Inside Out, the Pixar film. So I really like, enjoy their work uh, because it's palatable for all ages. So that's called the Greater Good Science Center. That's awesome. And, and by the way, so thank you so much, uh, Jason. We, we really, really appreciate it. So folks, please, by all means, connect with Jason on LinkedIn. Uh, connect with him on, um, on Twitter at myvillagetribe.com or myvillagetribe. Um, and, and by all means, you know, we totally need to, to mention our sponsors. You know, it, we really appreciate it with Lead411. Um, they are the ones who are able to help you find sort of those mobile phone numbers that we're trying to get a hold of these days in a, in a professional way. But they also talk a little bit about mindfulness in the sense of intent. They also have the ability to give you some intent data. And I think going into a conversation in sales, being mindful about that conversation and understanding some level of intent is, is a really good place. So please, please check out uh, Lead 411. And Jason, thanks again for coming on here, man. This has been phenomenal. I know we're going to have you again. Like, I, I'm Great. very excited to. Yeah, thanks so much, Jason. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.